Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Well, we're really excited this morning to have some guests with us to do a little bit of ministry. Uh, In just a moment, I'm going to ask Dave Bauer to come up. He's going to be speaking with us. But I just want to tell you a little bit about them. So Dave and his wife, Connie, they pastored a church in Waterford for quite some time. And then the Lord has been leading them uh, just deeper with him. And as they go deeper, they're finding out all kinds of incredible things. And the Lord has led them to start a ministry that really helps uh, restore the soul. You know, we go through life, circumstances happen, uh, pain occurs, things that we didn't see coming, that happens. And sometimes then we develop some kind of behavior pattern and we don't know where it came from. What they do is they help get to the source of what's going on in the soul to bring restoration and inner healing so that you can be free from the things that bind you and hold you back in this life. It's a really incredible ministry that both Dave and Connie run together. And what I love about this couple is that they are a team. When I say a team, they are a ministry team. Either one of them can get up here, they can speak, they can pray over you, they can speak into your life, the Lord speaks to them on behalf of you, and I'm just super excited to have a chance to have them visit with us, speak to you this morning, and do some ministry. So let's give a round of applause for Dave Bauer as he comes. That was just like I wrote it out for you, Chris. That was awesome. It was about seven years ago that Connie and I first walked in these doors and started to build a relationship with the pastoral staff. It's, it's got seven years of growth to it, and it's a real source of encouragement for us. And I just want you to know that. Um, we, we have just felt such welcoming and trust is building, and there's just good stuff that's taking place. So we're really grateful for that. Give you a, a quick little bio. Connie and I met in kindergarten, for real. <laughs> and uh, we've been in some level of ministry for 39 years. First 32 was all local church. Last seven years has been the ministry that Chris described to you. And uh, it's been just such a blessing. The bulk of our time is spent two-on-one to untangle the things of people's lives, and we have seen awesome things happen for others. Awesome. So now, allow me to take a commercial break. So we go through a five-session process with people. You fill out a survey, we review that, and then we take you through five distinct areas to reveal those blocks in your soul and then drench you in God's love and favor to show you who you are in him. And it never fails. We have seen people with such accelerated growth, it's just exciting to watch somebody right in front of you have that aha moment. Now, if you're wondering, if you're thinking, man, that might be for me, there is not a set cost. We have been... (laughs) We've been advised by so many people that we need to do that. But we don't want to get in the way of anyone shying away from this. So we do it for a donation to our ministry. That's it. It's very simple. And if you're ever interested, you can talk to us afterwards or talk to one of your pastoral staff and they can direct you to us. It's just been a blessing for us. All right, I want you to turn or scroll to Matthew 14. We're going to look at this passage today. Several years ago, when God touched my life, it was just, I I had this overwhelming, instantaneous love for his word. And I found it, it it cuts on me, it blesses me, it encourages me. There's just so much that comes through when you're hungry for God's voice to come through his word. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for meeting with us. We bless you. 
And we need your spirit right now to talk to us, to give us insight. What do you have for us? Lord, we've set this time aside for you. So we ask, Holy Spirit, come, fill this room. Just manifest yourself here. There are some people that are in this room and they have no idea what they're going to do today when they go home. And you are the need meter and there is nothing too big for you. So we open ourselves to you. Speak to us. Manifest yourself in this room. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Matthew 14... The chapter begins with the news reaching Jesus that John the Baptist has been beheaded. John the Baptist is a relative of Jesus. This is crushing to him. And he's in the middle, Jesus is in the middle of a move. People are coming to him, pulling on him. They need things. They found somebody that has answers. But Jesus is hit with grief And he just wants to be alone. And he tries to depart to a place by himself. And if you have ever been a leader, especially a spiritual leader, or a mom, you just are looking for a quiet place sometimes. The problem is the people heard that Jesus had departed to the wilderness, and they follow him. Verse 14 says, when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Even though he wanted to be alone, his compassion, his heart, this word can be translated his intestines. Your spirit man is here. And sometimes you feel a pull to do things. And Jesus just moved when he sees people who are broken. This is the thing that drives Connie and I. You've got to get used to me doing this. It's almost part of the, it's part of the gifting and calling to minister to broken people. We are surrounded with people who have no answers. And the great I am is dwelling in us. Sometimes you don't need to have all the answers. Just open the cage and let the lion of Judah out. Just let him out. So Jesus heals. And it says in verse 15, when it was evening. This story now is late in the day. There are people now that have followed him. And out of his compassion, he has healed them. And it's getting late in the day, and the disciples come to say, hey, you've got to let these people go. I mean, we're out in the middle of nowhere. Let them go into the villages and get something to eat. And Jesus says, we're not sending them away. You feed them. You do it. Have you ever been in a place where you're, you're asking God to do something, and you're not getting an answer? What if he's actually flipped the script, and he's saying, you do it. That's a a turning point for us. And I'm sure the disciples, and Jesus said, okay, get the kids lunch. Just bring the lunch here. And he feeds, and it says he feeds 5,000, but it's 5,000 men. And they don't even realize that they picked up all these baskets of leftovers. Now this is at the end of a long day. Jesus is still mourning. But he's ministering. And I want you to remember this when it comes to your spiritual leaders. There's a drain that can happen. You know that you're called by God and the Spirit is moving you to do something and you're feeling the heart of God for people and at times you have to, you have to turn your back on your needs and do what the Spirit has put in your heart to do. This is why it's so important that you pray for your leaders. Because there's a drain, there's a pull that's there. 
Not always. I know most of you think this is the only day we work. (laughs) But I can tell you, this is the easy day. We get to hang out with people we love. And the things we do on this day, we are just carried by the Spirit. It's refreshing. So Jesus now has, he's got this need within himself, but he's being pulled. And now we come to verse 22, and this is the section I want to look at. And we'll start with verses 22 to 24. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Have you ever thought about what is a disciple? Now in the first century, a disciple is one who has made a complete commitment to a rabbi, to a master, a teacher. He's submitted to him. And he doesn't just want to know what he knows. He wants to do what he does. That's huge. Mark 3 talks about that. It says that Jesus called a bunch of his followers to him and he chose 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach, cast out demons, and heal the sick. He wanted them to be with him to see what he did so that they would go do it. In the Western world, we're just into information. We just want to go to a bunch of Bible studies and take a bunch of notes, which isn't totally bad. But does it come out your fingers? There is nothing more exhilarating than walking in the supernatural power of God. And I'm not talking about being stuck to the ceiling all day. But there's these moments when you hit a wall and there is nothing that you can do. And he's got to show up. And when you start to walk in that, it's an incredible experience. Jesus made them get in the boat. Some of your translation might say, He compelled them. You, 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 in a boat. Gentle Jesus. See, they had to be under his authority. Get in the boat, go to the other side. The other side, they're going to cross the northern tip of the Sea of Galilee. They're going back to Capernaum. It's about three to four miles across the corner. And he says, go over there. Now, in another account... It says that Jesus knew the people were planning to forcibly make him king. And he wants to break this thing up. This is not in the the cards for him. So he tells the disciples to leave, but it says he scatters, he sends away the multitude. Now, Jesus fed 5,000, but it says 5,000 men. This could have been 25,000, 30,000 people. And Jesus sends his assistants away. Maybe because he's thinking, these disciples, if they hear that these people want to make me king, they're going to go, that sounds like an awesome job. We'd be cabinet members, you know. I got to get rid of them first. I want you to see something, though. He gave direct directions to the disciples. He, in generality, he spoke to the multitudes. When you come to that point where you surrender to the lordship of Jesus, that's where your purpose shows up. You start to get the direction. You cease to float. It's that that moment where your purpose becomes whatever he says your purpose is. That's a huge moment for you. Verse 23, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. And when evening had come, he was alone, finally. He's alone. But yet, he he knows what the 12 are going through. Verse 24, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, you've got 12 guys in a boat 
They've been told by their master to go to the other side. And this word that says tossed, you may have tormented, it means tortured. The boat is going directly into the wind. They are headed west across a large body of water, and they got the wind right in their face. And these waves are beating up this boat. It is being tortured. And they're fishermen, some of them. And the only reason they stick it out is because their master that they want to be like said, go there, and they're not going to quit. They're going to keep going. You ever, have you ever gotten there where you knew God was telling you to do something and it just seems so purposeless? Like, what in the world am I doing? Can you imagine 12 guys in the middle of this sea in deep water and these waves beating on you? Have you ever been with guys under pressure? We're not going to get there. Shut up! I mean, just this stuff that's going back and forth between them. Just take care of your oar, Sally boy. You want me to come over there? No, I got it. Okay. Pounding. They cannot get to where they want to go because their master said, get there. Let's look at verses 25 and 26. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. I want to remind you of something. If God calls you to do something that's really tough, he will come. He will come. It just might not be when you want him to come. The fourth watch is from 3 to 6 a.m. 3 to 6 a.m. They have been rowing for hours. And then he comes... And in one account, it says that Jesus made as though he would walk by. He wasn't even paying attention to him. He wants us to keep seeking him. That's what makes this important. This isn't just going to church. For the disciple, this is, I, I need something here. I've got, to, I've got to receive something from him. I'm running out of gas. I don't know if I can keep going. Some of you are in that boat this morning. You've been going, the waves are just pounding on you and pounding on you, and you felt like, I'm doing what he asked me to do. Isn't it true that when you get a word from God and he's given you direction and you know what you're supposed to do, that everything is just rosy? It just falls into place? You know, being a disciple means you're going to get trained. There's a powerful move right now, experiencing the love of God, and it's so important. It's so important. We need to have an encounter with that love. But that's the, that's the foundation. At some point, you've got to go through training. I played small college football a couple of years ago. And uh, the college coach that came and recruited me, apparently he thought I was pretty neat. Because he said a lot of awesome things to me. And I was all in. But from that moment until the first practice, something happened to him. He, like, changed. I wasn't so cool anymore. He'd make us run until we thought we were going to die. Occasionally he called us names that my mom wouldn't have called me. Why? Toughness training. I, came across, I got a couple books in my library. Toughness training. Dr. James Lohr, psychologist. Toughness training for sports and toughness training for life. And the long and the short of it is this. To be tough, to develop toughness, you go through high-intensity stress for a period of time with accompanying rest. That's how you get tough. Where you break down is if you're in fight or flight, 
day after day after year after month, and it's wearing you down. That's an anxiety, a bitterness, a hatred. If that's happened in your life, you need us. Toughness is training. Go do that. Jesus didn't say, get in the boat, go to the other side, and prepare yourself because it is not going to be fun. He doesn't say that. He wants me to push on and push on and push on. Obedience. Obedience. Why? I'm carrying life. And sometimes when I don't know it, I will carry life into the middle of a situation that needs what's in me. They just need me to carry it there. Several years ago, in our church, there was a guy, he happened to be my sound guy. He worked at a small engineering company in Troy. And the crew that he was in was just a little chaotic. Had a harsh supervisor. And uh, there were some guys in the crew that were just causing a lot of problems. So um, we were having lunch one day, and he was just kind of complaining to me about his situation. I said, hey, you know, rather than playing the victim, want to have some fun? He goes, well, what do you mean? I said, why don't you just go into work early and take a little oil? I mean, just as a symbol, I don't care if it's 10W30 or Wesson, it doesn't matter. And go to every cubicle, just put a little oil on it, and just declare, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in this cubicle. And he really wasn't one of those guys. But he liked me. So he said, all right. Two weeks later, he calls me, he goes, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, what? He said, my boss got fired. He did? He goes, yeah. He got fired, and then they had layoffs, and they laid off some guys, and they were all the troublemakers. And he said, now, they hired a new guy to be our supervisor, and he goes, his name's Dave, and he's a sound guy at his church. The whole atmosphere changed. How does that happen? I don't care if you got a title or a position. I don't care if you got a parking space. If you're carrying the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in your chest, you can change the atmosphere of a room, even if no one knows it. But you have to see yourself as worthy to take that position. You have to say, I can do this. What I just told you, that was a pretty simple deal. Somebody just had to believe that God can get in the middle of something and bring change. That's what your network needs. That's good. That's how we make a difference. We don't get pushed around anymore. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to walk. I got to walk in love. But inside of me, there's a fight. No victim. Verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking in the sea, they were troubled. They were, tr- Isn't that they were troubled. They were freaked out. They're exhausted. They're out in the middle of the water. And something's walking on the water. It's a ghost. They cried out for fear. Ah! Sorry. <laughs> what did they yell? You know, there's a lot of people that think these disciples were freshmen, sophomore, and high school age. For real. They're freaking out. Don't forget, they're obeying. They're going, all, they're going through all of this turmoil because they're obeying. Verse 27, 27 through 29 Immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Now, that's what it says in my version. A better translation would be, take courage, I am. Well, you say, well, you know, God's name is I am. What, what does that mean? It means whatever you want it to mean. I am fill in the blank. What do you need? I am your peace. I am your strength. I am your protector. I am your provider. I am your shepherd. I will lead you to still waters. 
You get to fill in the blank. You get to fill that in. He is I am. He is not I was or I might be. I am. I guarantee you there was no freak out look on Jesus' face. They're freaked out. He's not. Don't try to pull Jesus into your panic. It just doesn't work. That's, that's how we walk into a situation and bring peace to it. I know who's in me. I know who's in me. We're walking in partnership here. We make a difference. Because I've got to learn to listen. Peter answered him. You can see Peter. Is that really you? Is that you? Peter says, if it's you, command me to come. Command me. He's a disciple. He's under authority. I think we're getting some insight. He is, he's having a hard time here. He wants to do it. But only if he's commanded. <laughs> Sometimes, I'll do it. I just need somebody to tell me to do it. Or challenge me. Hey, Dave, I bet you can't do that. It's just interesting. Command me. So Jesus says, come on. Come on. I wish there was more detail here. It's the first step. <laughs> the only thing that was the freakiest is the first step. You ever, you ever go ziplining? I, I went strictly out of peer pressure. I was leading a men's group and I had to go and I did not want to go. And I know, <laughs> these guys got me a t-shirt one time, suck it up, Sally boy. And I just thought, I got to do this. I do not want to do this, but I'm going to pretend like this ain't no big deal. And I'm just, and we go up in that tower. And uh, <laughs> this may sound sexist. It's a girl running it. It's like, she's not freaking out. And the buddy I was with, he goes, hey, I went down this a minute ago. And when I went on the zip line, I, I turned around and was going backwards. The girl goes, well, I hate to tell you this, but the heaviest part of you is going to go first. <laughs> he, was, he was pretty bummed out that he brought that up. <laughs> and so she looks at me. <laughs> I don't know what. She knows I'm a little nervous. And she goes, it's just the first step. The rest is a breeze. It's just the first step. What was the first step like? It says, verse 29, so he said, come, and when Peter had come down out of the boat, this is a pretty good-sized boat. He's going to step down out of it. 12, it's holding 12 guys. He comes down out of the boat, and he walked on the water to go to Jesus. There's still waves. What is this like? You know? I mean, what's this like? Did it feel hard? Was it like cushy? What did this feel like? Has God ever called you to do something and you just, you just said, okay, I'm, I'm just going to do this? And you stepped out. God, somebody asked you to serve in some way. So you said, okay. And right at the beginning you went, holy smoke, I did it. That feeling of elation. That is ministry ecstasy. Yes! You just, you can feel it. And he's walking it. It's Jesus. Some wind. There's the wind. There's the there's wind. He's losing focus. He's, he's losing his way. Verse 30. 30 and 31. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. 
And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Oh, you of little faith. Do you remember Jesus elsewhere teaching, faith like a mustard seed can move a mountain? I mean, why didn't Peter go, what about the 11? Like, I'm little faith. I'm here. Look at them. I think Jesus wasn't putting them down. He was making a comparison. Because just a little faith does big stuff. Peter's faith became little in light of the wind and the waves. His faith said, his faith didn't only say Jesus can do this. His faith said Jesus can do this through me. You ever heard that line, oh, it's not me, it's the Lord. Um, I heard some time ago a pastor who watched a worship team and afterwards he went up to one of the young women and said, hey, your part that you had there was awesome. She goes, oh, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. He went, eh, it wasn't that good. <laughs> and he laughed. It sounds like the religious thing to say. If it's all God, why'd you practice? Because it's not all him. And it never was intended to be all him. This is a covenant relationship, and we're doing it together. We're doing it with him. And if it's all God, we don't need this. I don't need to study. I don't need to try to work this out. It's both of us together. I have to see myself as worthy of his presence. What makes me worthy? Because he loves me. He did this. His intention was to always do life with us, together. I know it gets tangled. I know that sometimes I can overemphasize me and he's got to make an adjustment in my soul. I understand that. This is togetherness. Peter started to lose faith in God's ability to do this through him. I can't walk on the water. What am I doing? And he sunk. And what the actual word means he began to drown. This is flailing. Have you ever come close to drowning? I, when I was a little kid, I thought it'd be cool with all the other guys, and I jumped off a raft into the you know, 10 foot water. I was nine years old. That was a bad decision. I was not to the top when I started trying to breathe. It didn't work out real well. That feeling of panic and all of a sudden that smooth treading water, that was out the window. I'm struggling to stay alive. That's where Peter is. He went down in that water. And where was Jesus? You have got to be willing to make mistakes. You have got to be willing to fail. You have got to be willing to hit a wall. And all of a sudden, all you got is waves and wind. And you are surrounded. And how did Peter and these guys get there? They obeyed. They haven't screwed up. They obeyed. Obedience sometimes takes us into a place where all of a sudden, I have no resources to do this. I cannot do it. And that is a make or break time. I have to decide. Do I press forward? Or do I punch out? And so many times what happens is, in that moment, I'd like to know the feelings that Peter's experiencing right then. The self-talk. You idiot! What are you doing? And the disciples are back in the boat. I told you. I told you. This was not going to go well. Peter, Peter's caught. 
Is it possible that he's caught between Jesus' opinion at the moment and the 11 in the boat? What are they thinking about me? That's a bad place to go. Wondering what somebody else is thinking. Somebody's got to try to walk in the water. Somebody's got to try to walk in the water. You've got to try to do this. You've got, to just, you've got to take a shot at this. You have to do this. And Peter cried out. And what happened? He's right there. But if you think you're unworthy, if you think you failed, if your eyes are totally on you, you're not looking for the hand. You've taken it all on yourself. We, we have a tendency to turn on ourselves. You did this. He's not going to help you. You're blind to the hand. We've got to learn to do what he does. You, somehow you've got to get the supernatural back in your language. Because there are people in your life that need you to walk in the power of God. We've seen people have supernatural turnarounds in a moment. We've seen lives put together. We've seen the demonic thrown out of people. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had a woman ministering to her, and right in the middle of it, the demon started talking to her. It's not true. You're making it up. You're just like a little kid. We said, well, you're about to go, so it's not a big deal. Why, can, why do we say that with confidence? We've been this track before. You practice. You practice his power. You practice his presence. You believe that he can do this. You read the stories and you say, I want this. I want to be like my Savior. I want to do what he did. And you've got to be willing to look foolish while you try to learn this stuff. And it's possible that some of you took that shot. That some time ago, maybe in the distant past, you made, you made an attempt. And the waves hit you right in the face. And you just quit. It's just not worth it. People think I'm an idiot. I thought God said this, but apparently, I believe God wants to to change that. The worship team is going to come, going to lead us. Some of you, some time ago, you had a dream. You knew God called you to something. And it doesn't even matter the scale, how big this was. But you knew God was calling you. You had, this, you had this thing in your heart. Call it a dream, a vision, a purpose. You call it whatever you want. And you made an attempt. And the wind and the waves pounded on you. And the thing died. It just died. I had a a period in my life in the mid-90s where I just went through a bad failure. It was so painful. And I walked away from God for two years. Two years. I had this library at home with hundreds of books. They had cobwebs and dust all over them. I just quit. Because all I could see was what I had done wrong. That's all I could see. That's all it was magnified to me. And one week, 
I don't even know how it happened. God resurrected something in me. He just brought it back to life. My joy came back. My purpose came back. We were going to a church, and we were driving to church one morning, and I... I have caused so many problems in the past. When you're that guy that's always wanting to get out of the boat, you just bring issues to the table. And I, I was done. And God resurrected that thing in me. He brought it back to life. Connie and I are driving to church. And I was, most of the church leaders knew Dave is out in the weeds. And I told her, I said, you know, I, I feel like I'm coming back to life. Like I'd like to teach again. But you know, I'm, in the past, I'm always kicking doors in. Ah, I'm here. And I thought, Lord, I'm going to wait for you to move in the elder's heart to come and ask me if I want to teach again. We're driving to church. So we get to church and we go into this class and uh, teaching, guy was teaching, class got done. And there was an elder and his wife, who we were good friends with, sitting right in front of us. Class ended, he turned around and he said, do you want to teach? I want you to hear God this morning. I want you to allow him to resurrect that thing that's been dead in you for a long time. Let him bring it back to life. Somebody needs you to take another shot at walking on the water. All you have to do is reach up and take his hand. Because immediately, Peter walked on the water, but he had to take the hand. And I'm feeling this week like there's somebody still floating, just bobbing in the waves. And God wants to resurrect resurrect this thing in you. Do you have some? Got a microphone? Connie and I do a lot of ministry together. Usually when I get to the end of talking, I know God's given her something, so I wanted to come and share that with you. Yeah. You got to stand up. Be bold. I just believe, like Dave said, that there's opportunities that God puts in front of us all the time. God put the opportunity in front of Peter to walk on the water. But if we're not looking for opportunities... Sometimes we miss it when Jesus just presents it to us. And then sometimes we also can become stagnant, you know, like water that doesn't move. Sometimes we're just kind of standing, not knowing which way to turn. And this morning, God's saying, move, move. The stagnation is done. That time of being stagnant, it's done. I'm here. I am right here. He wants you to know that so badly this morning. Can you flash the last couple verses up on the screen? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. That's why you've got to do this. You've got to do this. It's painful. Take his hand. You are going to create worshipers. Your networks are going to be filled with the power and presence of God. Somebody, There's fire starters in here, and you gave up. You quit. And I understand I've quit. I'm an expert on quitting. This morning, take his hand. Just grab a hold of it. He wants to speak to you. We're going to worship. This song, Is He Worthy? <laughs> and while the worship team is leading us in this song... What I want you to do, just as a show of faith, I want you to step out of the boat. I want you to come out of your seat. 
This is just you and God. And this is an act of faith. You're going to move up here and you're going to take his hand. This is just between you and him. Take his hand and let him speak to you as we worship. What does he want to do with you? Where does he want you to go? What does he want you to trust him for? Let's have that moment. The people who are outside the body of Christ need us to get everything that we can from him and serve it to him. So as the team worships, let's do that. Respond to what he's saying. Step out as a show of faith and just come down here and let God speak to you. This is just you and him. You know, there's only one way to describe what's taking place here this morning. Holy moment. And this is a holy moment for you. For every single one of you, whether you stepped out of your seat or not. It's that kind of a moment because of God's presence. You know, when I first heard this song, during a time of doubt and discouragement, and so if you think you're the only one who ever gets there, uh, we all face that. But I heard this song, and it validated my faith. I mean, it told the story of what I believe. You know, sometimes you get to that place where you just wonder if anyone else believes it. Does anyone else believe that he's God? Does anyone else believe that he's still on the throne? You know, Elijah, uh, one of the greatest prophets in the history of Israel, he got to that place where he complained before the Lord and said, I'm the only one. I'm the only God, the only guy serving you. I'm the only prophet here in Israel that is has this conviction in my heart. Do you remember what God told him? Well, I got 7,000 other prophets that haven't bow, that bowed their knee to Baal. You're not the only one struggling, and you're not the only one who believes. He is King of kings, and he's Lord of lords, and he is worthy. He is worthy to have us take a step of faith. Every time... We're going through difficulty. Every time we feel like God's just not coming through for us, he is worthy for you to get out of your boat, reach out your hand to him, and take that step. And I so appreciate those of you who are willing to do that today, to get out of your seat, because as Dave said, the first step is always the hardest. It's always the hardest. And so we're going to close out our time of prayer together here this morning. You're more than welcome to linger here at the altar for a few minutes if you want to kind of make your way. And we have some altar workers and ministers that are prepared. While I'm praying, if you want to just go and maybe lay your hands on a few people, I I, I really want you to walk away this morning knowing within yourself that God did something special for me. God gave me the strength. God gave me the hope. God gave me the peace. What, What hope we have for tomorrow. When we, when we hear a song like this and we sing with faith that he is worthy and all the things that Jesus did, it just gives us the inspiration and the hope that we need to face another day. And so, Father, we thank you for what you're doing in the lives of many people here. We just reach out. In fact, just reach out and touch someone, even if you're not an altar worker. Just, just go ahead. Let that faith and what God is doing in your heart reach out to the person next to you. Everywhere in the entire Uh, sanctuary. Uh, Just try to touch somebody because something really great is happening right now. Father, we thank you for your ministry one to another right now. This is a holy moment. It's a holy moment because you ordained it. You declared it, Lord. This is the day that you've made for us. And maybe yesterday wasn't a very good day, but today is a new day. And we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, we're praying that tomorrow will be different because of today. Because we were willing to reach out to you, take that step of faith, and to trust you again, to believe in you again, to know you are God and you are worthy. In fact, you're the only one who's worthy. We're not worthy, Lord. We could never be worthy. But being in partnership with you, in covenant with you, you made us worthy. 
And so, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing right now in the hearts of people. Lord, I believe you're doing some things that need to be done that only is possible because of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we need a revival. We need, we need to have it start in the church. We need to have it start right now. Lord, thank you for visiting us in such a powerful way this whole month of July. You've just spoken to us uh, word after word, Lord, week after week. You've given us direction for the future. You've caused us, Lord, to, to come to a place of conviction and repentance. We want to honor you and to serve you. If everybody stays back, Lord, we want to take that step. We want to be bold enough like Peter was to get out of the boat and to face the storms of life because we're not facing them alone. Our hand is in your hand. And we have brothers and sisters around us who care about us. We have a community of people, Lord, who believe in hope in you. Minister, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit this morning. Do only the things that you can do. Father, we thank you that you are a great God. You're a loving God. You're a covenant-keeping God. And you have a plan for me. You have a plan for me. You have a plan for me. Speak to each heart, Lord. Bring assurance and confidence faith and trust in you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.